Recording. Recording. Here we go. <laughs> He's like recording. Hit the mic. Yeah, I kicked the shit out of <laughs> Alright, let's see if we make this work. Welcome to a Nerdy Bunch presentation of Back to the Future. We are the collective known as the Cosmic Trio. We traverse the space-time continuum, watching movies 20 years or older. And I'm your host, English Dave. And helping me teach stormtroopers how to shoot straight are my co-hosts Rocket Mike and Raven. What's up, guys? What up, Dave? What's up? Do you think stormtroopers could ever be taught to uh, shoot straight? <laughs> I feel like there's probably just like that. That's why they have generals. That's why they have a ranking. It's like, all right, whoever can shoot the straightest, you're the leader. <laughs> um, we, as you can uh, surmise, we are here to talk about Star Wars. Why is that? It's because the final in the Skywalker trilogy is out the week of this release. The Rise of Skywalker will be released. And so we figured, let's look at the movie that started it all. Even though chronologically, it's the fourth film. Let's look at the movie that started it all. Star Wars, a.k.a. Star Wars A New Hope, a.k.a. Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. Yes, this is the movie that went through different titles and uh, many changes as Lucas kept on changing his mind on what he wanted. And I think he keeps changing his mind. And if he, want, if he could, he'd keep changing shit. <laughs> Uh, the synopsis is as follows. Luke Skywalker joins forces with a Jedi Knight, a cocky pilot, a Wookiee, and two droids to save the galaxy from the Empire's world-destroying battle station, while also attempting to rescue Princess Leia from the mysterious Darth Vader. This was released May 25th, 1977, on an estimated budget of only $11 million. Written and directed by George Lucas, this movie would become, like, the greatest thing to nerds today. And... I feel like it created, I would say this is the film that created the nerd culture, or at least helped create nerd culture as, it, as, as we see it today. There are many, many stories about this film, but I'm gonna start with you guys personally. Mike, start with you. Uh, tell us a personal story about how you were introduced to Star Wars. Um, pretty sure it was my dad. I remember getting uh, the ATST toy, um, and I just loved the, that walker, and every time I'd watch Return of the Jedi, I'd always point that one out. I'm like, hey, yeah, that was the only reason I wanted to watch it. Was, I'm like, oh, it's the toy. I related the toy with the movie. <laughs> I guess I had played with the toys first, and I'm like, oh, they made a movie out of these toys? This is great. And, but I really can't remember the like first time I ever saw this. It's like, what was the first meal that you had? You know, like, what was the first time <laughs> you ate bread? I, I, I can't remember. It's just always been <laughs> in my mind, in my head. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah it's yeah it's just always stuck around i feel like i was i was born with it because it's obviously <laughs> been out for it was a whole thing before i was ever born right no um you brought up the toys and that's actually a thing that was done on purpose one of the one of the reasons you have such an, a vast uh, 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 galaxy of characters and such different species was because of toy sales uh, George Lucas famously made a great deal when he signed up for this movie that he owned all the merchandising rights because at the time this was a big risk uh, it was essentially an indie film 11 million dollars considering what the budget is for modern Star Wars movies which are like 200 million dollars <laughs> you know like even if you adjust for inflation it was an indie film yeah, yeah at the t at the time this what what was considered sci-fi was very expensive indie film. right what was considered sci-fi at the time were movies like super high concept sci-fi like uh, 2001 or really pulpy stuff like Flash Gordon you know and, and those are the things that helped inspire Lucas and even Lucas said even Japanese cinema uh, the, the, the samurai 
the Jedi are based on things like the samurai and their code. Look at the way they dress, things like that. And so, also Western American yes. films. Western very cowboys. Oh, yeah, Western yeah, yeah, when definitely. they're on the planets, it's very cowboy. Yes. Like Harrison <laughs> Ford is just a cowboy in space oh, in this movie. Yes. And it's kind of like also the kind of clash between like the old and the new in terms of the samurai versus when guns came in and cowboys and different cultures. This was something that it was a happy accident. A lot of things came together to make this movie happen. There, there was a lot of changes. It was initially called uh, The Star Wars and Luke was Luke Starkiller. And there was some other craziness that <laughs> the original script, you can find it online. It's insane. I won't go into it. It's a whole thing. But a lot of changes happened over the course of time that Lucas found the right music uh, people, John Williams, he found the right uh, production designers, and it just happened to accidentally come together and give us Star Wars, which is insane. And I would personally say, and this is a personal opinion, opinion, it's the only good Star Wars movie that George Lucas directed. People forget he didn't direct the other two of this trilogy. He only did the first one, and then he came and did the prequel trilogy as well. Um, say what you will about those prequel trilogy that's a conversation on its own but my introduction to star wars wasn't until later on in life uh I, I always knew about star wars as a film fan but i never got into it i was more of a star trek guy i was more into full sci-fi star wars was too fantasy for me even though i appreciated fantasy i didn't like this middle ground of is it fantasy is it sci-fi pick one but it wasn't until my mid-20s when I started looking at the politics of Star Wars and the, the wars of Star Wars that I got really interested and I started watch, reading all the side books and watching all the animated stuff and I got super into Star Wars and I appreciate the story a lot more. With me, my personal opinion, The Last Jedi is my favorite one because it's the most sci-fi of all of them, but it's also the most uh, controversial. But Raven, your introduction to Star Wars, you're the one who doesn't have as much history as Mike and I do. So how, how were you introduced? Yeah, I don't... I mean, like, I watched all the bad Lucas ones when they came out in theaters, you know, and uh, I tried to watch the older ones when I was a kid, but because it looked like the quality was a large shift between, you know, the Anakin Skywalker ones that I saw and, you know, the uh, 1970s New Hope. So mm. at the time when I tried to watch it as a kid, I was like, this is boring. Uh, um, And I didn't really watch it until I was in college, I want to say, like, you know, where I tried to, like, dedicate some time to it. I even then, it, it just... Yeah, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure it's you, your fault that I saw it. And, um, but I just, yeah, I remember like watching it and just not getting it. Like, I'm not going to lie. I just remember being like, maybe I'm just not this kind of nerd. You know, I was like, maybe that's not my kind of nerd. I just don't get it. Like, I love the comic books, a lot of other stuff, but Star Wars specifically just wasn't doing it for me. And a lot of people that I knew, or not necessarily knew, but you know, Star Wars fans you know, look a certain way that I didn't. So I was kind of <laughs> like, maybe I don't want to watch these movies. Yeah. Will it transform me into a non-showering nerd, you know? Um, it's up there. So, you thought, yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> you thought Star Wars was meant you'd gone full nerd. you never go full yeah, nerd. Yeah, like, I felt like being a fan of Star Wars meant me, like, just going over that line of, like, no return. And then I crossed into, like, full nerddom, and, like, I couldn't come back from it. And I like showers, so I was like, nah. Oh, that's funny. Um, but yeah, so, you know, lo and behold, uh, but I will say watching the new movies, um, you know, uh, Rogue One, Last Jedi, watching all of those have made me kind of like be super into the world. And now that I kind of know all the characters and figured out the Skywalker bloodline and everything with the new movies, now going back and watching like where it came from makes so much more sense. Mm. Oh, it's yeah. a whole different film. 
But when I was first trying to watch Justin New Hope as a standalone, I was like, what the fuck? It was just so much. <laughs> That's like yeah, if you tried thing. watching uh, Infinity War and Endgame as the first Marvel movie that you watch. Like, oh, here's all these characters, and I'm sure there's yeah, a connection exactly. here, and it's a lot of fun. But you're not having fun because you didn't go and see the history of how it all led to this. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's like if Marvel had released uh, Infinity War first, right? Because that's what Lucas did. He started with episode four. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Confusing as <laughs> shit. Like, I was like, I have no idea what's going on. And then, like, like opening sequence, even though the title sequence is really cool, I felt like I just could never read fast enough. Like, I didn't have enough time to, like, read it and comprehend it. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> read it. And I'm just like, wait, what? Like, the rebel who? And I couldn't figure out what sides. I was like, who's, who's the rebel and who's... Yeah. What? You get a lot okay, of names thrown at you. So many names. And I was like, dude, they're all nerdy ass, weird fucking names. You know, Tatooine, you have like Darth. <laughs> yeah, like, what is this? Evil like, it's not like just like a John, you know? I had no what idea. Yeah, right. yeah, it was a lot. No, I, and this is a quick aside. Um, I've been rewatching the movies with my wife's niece, and I'm introducing her into Star Wars, and successfully so. I'm so happy. But the way I did it, and I think. For those of you who are trying to introduce Star Wars as a whole to to younger people, this is the best way I found to do it. Start off with, and it's it's unconventional, but hear me out. Start off with Solo, and then go into Rogue One, because what that does is because those two movies don't have Sith and Jedi and all that all that stuff, it just focuses on the world itself. You get slowly eased into what the world is like in terms of the effect of the war and and the effect of the Empire on the galaxy, and and and. Also, because those two movies and um, Mandalorian, because they looked back at the old movies to match the aesthetics of the old films, they don't do too much like the prequels with crazy amounts of CGI or anything like that. So you also yeah. get eased into the visual aesthetic of it all so that by the time you go from Rogue One to, to A New Hope, which literally is like minutes apart in terms of the timeline, you're already eased into, you already know that there's a war going on. You already know the stakes. You know the Empire's are bad guys. You've heard of the Jedi and things like that, but only minimally in like Legends. So then you're with Luke in terms of learning about the Jedi and that's all you need to figure out, learn about because you already know the stakes that are, are at hand. So I would always recommend people to go at least, at the very least, from Rogue One to A New Hope of introducing new people. I do want to do it again in like chronological, you know, in order yeah. of like the story itself. Yeah. Paris was confused. She's like, but how did this come out? if this takes place before it and I was like it's confusing but you just gotta accept it like it's weird but it's also one of those things where if you watch it in a specific order you realize that from Luke's perspective the war has been happening he was just off somewhere else he's been hearing about it and now he's finally joining a fight that's been going along and you're the audience coming even though ultimately he gets a fucking medal at the end no one else does I have a problem with that but we'll get to that at the end <laughs> yeah right like you just joined the war right now everyone all the other soldiers are watching you get a medal they've been fighting this war for well, years well i mean he was the only one that <laughs> counted man he took down a just had to come death in for star. that golden shot like did anyone else take down a death star no how did he yeah, but how did he get the plans to take out the death star many people died shit rogue one everyone died to get those plans to literally <laughs> everyone <laughs> Like, at least they could have gotten some credit, you know. Uh, well, let's get into the film itself. Uh, like Raven mentioned earlier, it does open with something very famous, their opening uh, title crawl. That is something very unique to Star Wars. I'm sure other films have used similar things, but whenever you see something like that, you instantly think, think Star Wars. You know, I always think something interesting about that opening crawl because 
in film school and film class, they will probably tell you never do shit like that for exposition. You're gonna start. Oh yeah, never. <laughs> you start with like a whole paragraph of exposition. It's not even someone narrating it. Audience has to read it. What the fuck film are we watching? <laughs> that's just top yeah. reading. You know. Well, that's... actually, um, crazy enough, it was a conversation between I think Francis Coppola and Steven Spielberg with George Lucas. They had like watched like a pre-screening of it without the opening credits. Okay. And um, it ended, and he was just kind of yeah. like, "What the fuck was that?" <laughs> <You know? laughs> like literally, they watched it and they were like, "Dude, don't get me wrong. Like, it's kind of like it's great and all that, and this is like some really great stuff that you built here, but like, what the fuck? There's like all these planets and there's all these people and all this other stuff, and it seems like you created a really, really great world. And like, once you're like." really into it towards like the middle to the end of the film you get it he was like but the whole beginning yeah. is like dude where are we <laughs> so they actually made the suggestion maybe you should kind of put like a prelude in in the beginning or like maybe just yeah. you know a little blurb about the backstory mm. before the movie starts they were like then people wouldn't feel so you know kind of um what's the word like it wouldn't yeah, be so you're taking in people an entire new just being immersed so. into this other planet imagine that yeah, so yeah, it was actually a suggestion from some some uh, fellow directors. They were just like, "Yeah, dude, you need to like explain this." I mean, <laughs> I can imagine, I can understand why it was done at the time, especially because you know we take for granted that we grew up in nerd culture and these kind of nerd things to pay attention to certain things. Whereas this was the first time movies like this were made. The audiences do, they don't know how to receive these things. They don't know at the time. They didn't know okay, I'm supposed to pay attention to this and this and this and this. They're just watching a movie as far as they're concerned. They're not looking at a whole universe of characters. Yeah, that had never been done before. Um, yeah, and like honestly though, without it, if you really think about it, yeah, if we didn't have that little opening title sequence, we would be completely lost. Like the whole first 20 minutes, you're like, what? Who's that? Right. Huh? <laughs> like we have to get the plans from who to where? What? Right. Like it's pretty nuts. But also um, just so people know, Shooting that title that title sequence is actually very technical. It took like three days to um, shoot just that alone, and it's actually a printout. It's a full on printout that's kind of on um, not like, like a, a pulley system, thing. but on like a rotator, and it's slowly scrolling, and a camera is going across it like very, very, very slowly, and the motion with the distortion of the lens makes it seem like it's going off into the distance. Mm -hmm pretty cool but when you see yeah. like all that it took just to make that <laughs> now you what, what do you buttons, want George? You just type yeah. it up and press enter <laughs> and you get that same thing so it's nuts that you know back then it took three days right you just get type the text in fact the hardest thing today would just be typing out the text because once yeah the text exactly out, that's the most annoying part you're like oh i gotta type you know what right. i'm saying like it's not type print film you know light it all other stuff so it was pretty dope and you know, and crazy enough, they, you know, went out on a limb. They tried that for the first time. A lot of people didn't think it would work, and it be ended up becoming, you know, one of the most uh, memorable things about Star Wars is that opening yep. title sequence. Yep. Um, I, I completely forgot to mention, let's talk about the cast uh, briefly. We have most of the cast were, were unknowns. In fact, funny enough, the most uh, famous cast member at the time was Alec Guinness, who plays Ben Obi-Wan Kenobi. And at the time, he was just like, what the fuck am I doing? You can see that all over his I'm face. I'm an actor. I'm a thespian. <laughs> he does not want to fucking You can see that, though. I feel like it's very in a fucking desert. He's, he's a classical actor. trained actor. <laughs> like, was he supposed to be playing it off like he wasn't that kind of actor? Because right. I could totally tell. <laughs> You're fooling uh, no one. 
You also had uh, another famous actor at the time was Peter Cushion, who plays Grand Moff Tarkin, one of the villains of the piece. Who I love his seeing his narrative further developed in Rogue One when you realize he stole the Death Death Star plans. He didn't think the Death Star was going to work, and it worked. So he's like, "Oh, it's my project now, bitches," um, which I I really like seeing in in Rogue One. Wait, who uh, is that again? He was, you know, the guy yeah, that like Vader older, was like answering to. The last face you'd see before it blows up. Yeah, the, old, the guy who ends up being old as shit in Last Jedi. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Because no. he survived one. that blast. No, no, not, 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 not the guy from Last Jedi. No, no, no. That's the Emperor. And in, in, oh, he was. Okay. In, they made him look younger yeah, he too. Was in Rogue he was one as well. One. But the act. Yeah. Well, the, the actor's yeah. dead. They brought. It was a CGI character in Rogue One. Oh, really? What? That, yeah, you know by that time, funny, though, yeah, by that time, one, the actor was dead. I kept thinking oh the CG on him is so good. <laughs> <laughs> it really was. In this one, I kept forgetting it wasn't CG. I was like, wow, that's really him. It's yeah. crazy. I was and like, they a, did such a good job making him look young. <laughs> right? You also have He's the full cast good. of Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, Anthony Daniels, who's played C3P in like all the movies. Uh, Kenny yeah, Baker. Had to. Kenny anybody right. else fit Nobody into that costume that. <laughs> uh, the late great Peter Mayhew as Chewbacca and um, people always give him a lot of credit for, for Darth Vader but it was actually David Prose in the suit of Darth Vader with um, what's his name doing the voice of it um, James Earl yeah. Jones the voice yeah, James, of James Earl Jones he was um, the voice of Darth Vader but, also uh, though you Prose. know it's funny uh, was it David who would you say his name is David David Prowse Pr- Prowse yeah so he actually didn't know um, that he was being voiced over. <laughs> so oh, yeah. No, he tries. Track. If he heard it, he actually tries. <laughs> Which is pretty hilarious. And watching the actual audio, like, without without James Earl Jones is brutal, man. It's like a It's so bad. You can't take him movie. seriously. And it's crazy because the cast is actually making fun of him behind the scenes about how he sounded like some country space cowboy or whatever. And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and he had no idea until he saw the final cut. Like at the premiere, he realized he was dubbed over. Like, what's up? Like, what are you doing here? That must be like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I can't imagine. Like, I was like, oh, played you, but it works so much better. Because I will say, if you guys are listening, look up the actual like behind the scenes without James Earl Jones voiceover. It is pretty comical. Yeah, like it, it is yeah, in yeah. no ways intimidating at is, all. Yes, not at all. <laughs> no. Um. The movie, after the title call, opens right away. We see a small ship. It's known as the Tentive Four, being chased by uh, Darth Vader's Imperial Star Destroyer, known as the Devastator. And the first characters we meet, funny enough, are not the main characters, but C- uh, C-3PO and R2-D2. And as the crew are about to be boarded, the troopers attack and secure the main ship and enter Vader. The first time we see this person. Can I tell you? Swag. When I first... When I first saw this film, I didn't care about Vader like that. But then over the years, as I've seen other things like Rogue One, because that opening, that ending of Rogue One, holy shit, oh, Vader yeah. does some crazy shit. So going into this, watching this again, I'm like, okay, I get it. Vader is a badass. There is some swag there, like Raven said. Yeah, I had so much respect in Vader at the time when he was coming through. I was like, with the drip. Oh. <laughs> no, seriously. I was like, Yo, Vader's got swag, man. Those of you who, who haven't seen Rogue One or haven't seen it in a long time, seriously, before you watch New Hope again, check out Rogue One because that there's that moment with Vader when he takes everyone out and I was like, holy shit. Okay, this guy. Yeah. This guy is, 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 is scary. Um, C-3PO and, and, and R2-D2 
end up escaping with a secret mission given to them by a mysterious woman who is captured. We find out that mysterious woman is Princess Leia. Uh, Vader has questions for her because he feels that she's part of the Rebel Alliance, but she's adamant that she's only part of a diplomatic uh, mission. We know she's a liar. Liar. Um, <laughs> Where are you keeping the plans? <laughs> I can't do James Earl Jones. You're a liar and a traitor. No um, I can only like enunciate, but I can't do. <laughs> uh, once on the ground, R2D2 are captured by scavengers and sold to a young Luke and his uncle. Um, Mike, have you heard the rumors that? Because you know how it plays out, right? Luke and his uncle they they take C3PO, but they take another droid. Yeah, not R2. Yeah, the red one. And then I said, and then something happens to that other droid though, and he's it gets gets broken up, and suddenly R2 is the one that's needed. There's a lot of of, of theories out there that that's the force at hand the force was working to make sure that because Luke had to be the one that gets the message right true I, mean, I also had the conspiracy that R2 fucked with him like alright this is <laughs> my competition hey, maybe R2 has the force this guy looks just <laughs> like me I'm just gonna <laughs> tweak some things here real quick and uh, yeah yeah go ahead go ahead yeah. you know they actually made him um, they gave him lines in the original script like he was gonna speak normal English oh R2 uh, yeah oh, and nice. but he had like a really like foul mouth <laughs> like it was like everything he was saying was like, really crude um, and so they're just like, all right, let's just turn into beeps and bops and then uh, have C-3PO just react the same way as he would when he were talking. That's why he always uh, seems so oh, taken aback. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. I like the idea that R2 is actually talking, but because Star Wars is a PG movie, they had to edit it out, but they actually have the dialogue. Like, I'd, I'd like to think that the dialogue actually all exists. <laughs> in terms oh, yeah. Of, he's probably was, like, what the fuck's yeah, up, Luke? probably does. <laughs> I actually read the script to this, I think, while I was in film school, because, like, we had to read the script so that we, like, learned the hero's yeah. journey in storytelling, yeah. and this movie is one of the best examples oh, of yeah. that. Oh, it follows um, the hero's journey to a T, like, literally. <laughs> to the T, like, literally, <laughs> to the T. Like, this comes straight out of a film book. Well, no, it's, it's famously said that literally. Lucas changed his script after reading uh, uh, the, the Hero with a Thousand Faces or something called, that's the book, right? The The... Yeah, the name, but the book that talks about the hero's journey, Lucas read that and it's like, oh, I'm yeah. changing my script completely. <laughs> I mean, shit, it worked because I heard the first couple of rights of this script were yeah. pretty bad. Yes, <laughs> like this this script got a lot of help, well, and even I heard also even after the script, the edit saved this mm-hmm. movie oh, quite yeah, a definitely. bit. So, um, so yeah, thanks for that hero's right. journey. <laughs> um. At this point, we're introduced to a young Luke. We find out he's living with his aunt and uncle. Assuming we presume, we never, it's never mentioned. We presume that his parents are dead at the time, uh, and we also find out that Luke is is bored. You know, he's on this desert planet. He's a young kid. His friends have now all gone off to the academy. No, and he wants to join the academy, which is ironic, right? He wants to join the academy because again. I didn't notice this when I was watching it when I was younger, but watching it again as I'm older, I realized these kind of things also tell us that the galaxy think that the, the Imperials and all those people are the good guys, or at least they, they accept that they control everything, right? Because he wants to join the Academy, which is run by the Imperials. His friends are all going to join the Academy and everything like yeah. that. He, he's kind of heard in the, of the Rebel Alliance, but it's a thing that you're hearing about. But for the most part, you know, the Imperials control everything. Um, he accident while cleaning the droids. He accidentally sees the message left by uh, uh, um, Leia, and he recognizes the name Kenobi. And it's like, oh, is he gonna do with uh, Ben Kenobi? But he's gonna tell him. But his uncle's like, no, don't talk to that guy. And in hindsight, we know why, because he doesn't want him to find out about his past. Um, 
again, and then we get one of the most beautiful shots. Me, Obi-Wan, you're my only hope. We get one of those beautiful shots your only in hope. Star Wars ever, which is Luke looking at the at the twin sons of Tatooine setting, and we hear Luke's theme. Da, 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 da. Oh, I love that moment, Mike. How does that make you feel every time you see that shot of Luke staring at the suns? Such conflict. <laughs> Shading. Drama. <laughs> Longing. I mean, his last name is Skywalker. You know, you want to walk the skies. Come on. Uh, the night here in a hole. Right, yeah. on a desert planet. That night, R2-D2 escapes looking for Obi-Wan. Luke and C-3 find him, but they are attacked by sand people known as the Tusken Raiders. Oh! Uh, for those of you who watch, <laughs> for those of you who watch Mandalorian, for those of you who watch oh, the Mandalorian, yeah. and those of you who don't, slight spoiler here, but I think the Mandalorian does a great job of recontextualizing the Tusken Raiders. Like I won't, I won't elaborate how because in this one they just seem more savage, and and it's noted that the Tusken Raiders are supposed to kind of represent. If this is a Western, they represent most like the natives that live there, and mm. and what Mandalorian has done is reframed that and said, well, okay, we're going to keep them as the natives, but in the past, you thought the natives were the bad guys or you you always visualize them as the aggressor. We're going to show you that they're more to them than that. And that's what I love about Mandalorian. Um, a mysterious figure saves them. We find out it's Ben Kenobi. Here's a fun fact. You know how Ben Kenobi uh, scares the, the Raiders? He's like, oh, he makes that noise, that weird ass sound. Like, what yeah. the fuck is that? Well, here's yeah. a fun fact. In the original cut, the sound was a lot deeper and vibrant. It didn't sound like a person doing it. It sounded like an animal. Well, because there's a scene where Luke is walking. You see a big... No, when R2-D2 and C-3P are walking, there's a big dragon skeleton behind them. And that sound is supposed to be the sound of that dragon. Those dragons are supposed to exist in those deserts, and the Tusken Raiders are afraid of them. And that's why they run away. It's just that Lucas, doing what he does in, in, in subsequent uh, release re-releases he edited the film to sound more like a human making the sound which just makes it sound stupid because like well why are they running from <laughs> yeah I was like why are they scared of a person it's so weird yeah. I'm like there's like eight of you what yeah, yeah. I don't understand why he does that so but weird. this mysterious figure Ben Kenobi he also like CGI added in eyebrows oh. to one of the characters yeah, he, so the things he did <laughs> like, it's just endless things that like no one cared about no no changed. I think in one of them he ad- he added like a whole musical number that wasn't in the original yeah he <laughs> did he did add a whole musical number it's like bro why like no one watches Star Wars and it ends and they think to themselves Wish it was a musical, bro. Right. <laughs> like, no one thinks that. Why would you do right. that? It makes no sense. Um, ben Kenobi tells Luke that he is Obi-Wan Kenobi. They are one of the same person. And that he tells Luke about that he knew his father, that they were both Jedi Knights and good friends. And he that's where he gives Luke his father's lightsaber. This is the first time you get to see the lightsaber. Zoom, zoom, zoom. I, lo- I love the quote, an elegant weapon for a more civilized age. That's a great way to describe a lightsaber. Yeah. That's a good slogan. I want to shoot that commercial. <laughs> Get yourself a lightsaber, an elegant weapon for more civilization. Sweet. New design. Uh, here's a fun fact. Um, the lightsaber was supposed to be a more general weapon that everyone would have. Even the stormtroopers had lightsabers. Um, if you look at original uh, um, concept art for the film, you will see other characters with sabers. It was afterwards that they decided, you know what, let's make it special that only the Jedi use the lightsaber. And so it became more of a special weapon as opposed to just a weapon everyone had. Um, he tells Luke about the Force and about the Jedi 
and that someone a, an old jet and i never paid attention to this because i always thought he says oh a bad guy named darth vader killed your father but he says no a jedi because he almost tells him the full truth except that he just yeah, yeah. i realized now i was like oh no yeah, it's just a lie he's like he, but... i mean it's almost like he's like a jedi went bad called darth vader he turned evil and killed your father it's kind of true Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of true and all the other right? Jedi yes. seriously well yeah. he wasn't really about oh, yeah. to just drop that truth bomb on him Yo, right that there shit was right nuts. right <laughs> that I feel like that would be too much I think this is yeah. what the old man from the old bum from Jumanji when he told <laughs> Alan about his parents should have learned from Obi-Wan this is how <laughs> <laughs> he's gotta learn how to ease him in this is how you do it you gotta tell it right man <laughs> let him find out the truth on his um, own <laughs> they unlock the full message from Leia and they listen to it and it's Leia saying that they need to deliver a message to her father on Alderaan and so Obi-Wan tells Luke that I need your help to go there and he wants to teach him in the ways of the force and in true form to the hero's journey the hero has to decline the call to action the reluctant hero <laughs> the reluctant hero and he said you know I'm just going to help you in other ways but I can't go with you uh, meanwhile on the Imperial Space Station Vader shows proof of his power when when guys like I don't know what you talk about Vader this hokey religions and blah 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 and then Vader like he did that so well the actor oh so good another famous scene he played that choking very yeah. well I was like wow There's that's no stranger to being choked right, there. right I find your lack of faith disturbing it's another great quote it is honestly though Darth Vader had bars man <laughs> <laughs> like he was in that movie for like nine minutes all quotes and bro. again what's what's great about it is quotes. that this is the first moment we really see the powers of the force used, right? Because again, mm. at this by this point, and we find oh. out through... Exp- Unless you've seen Rogue One. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> right. by this point, Vader is essentially the only p- living proof of the force in terms of what, what normal people see. Everyone else who has these abilities are hiding it. You know, they're not outwardly using it. And so most people think it's some fake thing. Even people who work with Vader think it's some hokey stuff. So I think every once in a while Vader has to choke a bitch to remind them. (laughs) (laughs) He gotta think choke a bitch. (laughs) It was like, what are you like, no. Okay. (laughs) Um they ensure that they must take the rebels very serious very seriously where everyone's like, oh they're just rebels. They can't do anything. And Vader's like, "Mm, you know, you, you gotta and Vader's kind of smart in that sense. It's like don't let any semblance of hope rise because you got to squash it because that can build and build and build and build. Hence, a new hope. Fun fact. There you go. Uh, Luke returns home to his uncle and aunt to find them killed, which is one of the most bloodiest, gruesome scenes in all of Star Wars. You see charred bodies in like crazy contorted position. Like, holy shit. <laughs> right? All right. I was just like, damn, okay. <laughs> well, if a hero needed a reason to answer the call, this is a great reason. Have your home and family burnt alive. Yeah, sure. That'll give you... That'll be a good reason to to leave and it's one of those careful what you wish for you know he wants to leave and now he has to with nothing left he decides to help obi-wan to go to alderaan but they need a spaceship so they head off to moss Eisley spaceport where they get questioned by well also random but i felt like luke barely cared at all man like i feel like your family just died he's just like barely like, dead right. and i <laughs> Moving on. Like, he was more sad about Obi-Wan dying in the end of the film than he was about his own <laughs> aunt and uncle. Like, yeah. you live with these people your whole life, and he's like, Obi-Wan, yeah. you know, like, I'll do it for you. It's like, what about your whole right? fucking family that died? Because <laughs> you wanted to go searching for an android. Let's talk about that. Like, you didn't even think about them the rest of the film. Um, and actually, I actually want to mention as well, in terms of his home, his where he was living, uh, 
I think the production design for that was done really, really well. And I think a thing that Star Wars does very so well, well is they create this world where the technology is clearly highly advanced compared to us, but it's so advanced that even like poor people or people with farmers have crazy technology. You know, it's like used, used, yeah. crazy, used technology, but still kind of cool. Yeah. Like, I like the fact that farmers have droids on yeah. their land to help them with yes. farming. Like, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> yeah exactly, cool. exactly. I thought those were done really, really well. Yeah, also, though, I will say, like, the um, the shots in this film, like, on, you know, on Tatooine and stuff, is so beautiful. Yes. A lot of it, I don't know, like, now it's hard to tell because, obviously, the version we've seen now is remastered. But um, on the original cuts, a lot of the backgrounds you see are actual hand yeah. paintings. Yeah. So I'm interested to see now with the remaster, like how much of it is still painted yeah. and what isn't. Because I know they obviously put a CG overlay over like, you know, a lot of the actual details on the buildings and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I wonder, you know, in the background, I tried to like look it up, but I found a lot of like side by sides, but they didn't tell you exactly like this is yeah, CG. Yeah. This is, you know, um, we get the most famous one. Another famous scene. Uh, there's nothing to see here. Move along. Another use of the force. <laughs> I love that scene. <laughs> I was like, so stormtroopers are just dumb and have bad aim. Because he said it's yeah. people that are easily yep, influenced. With weak minds. So it's like, <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Weak-minded. Just like, you need them damn, for soldiers. Like, what use are you? That's why there's so many damn stormtroopers. Right. You need like a hundred. How many stormtroopers does it take to fix a right. light bulb? Like, <laughs> damn. Yo. And then we get... Uh, so one of the most famous songs in Star Wars dun, 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 as they enter the cantina play that same song play that same song <laughs> have any requests requests no requests play that same song okay you can't I can't watch the Star Wars now without thinking of Family Guy oh, and oh, a lot of scenes dude every time oh. I watched Family Guy right after this I couldn't oh, it's help so it. much funnier though after, like, what, the more Crying. you know Star Wars after the more seen funny again? these parodies are like the detail they oh, went yeah. through, just so uh, great. The canteen is another example of showing us the the vast variety of alien species in Star Wars universe. And in fact, some of these alien species would see again in, a f- in future movies. Uh, they're in search of a pilot, and after a quick fight, I love that scene. My friend doesn't like you. Hey, you know my friend doesn't like. <laughs> I love the Family Guy joke of that. Literally, yeah. I was rewatching it. I was like, well, that escalated quickly. Like we went from zero to a thousand in the matter of like a right? second. Someone got an arm cut off. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, my friend doesn't like you, okay? And what do you say? And I don't like you either. <laughs> All right. <laughs> like, it was just so Someone random. Try that like, that's all it takes. Right. It's a fun, fun like, wow, cameo. I guess, it, I guess it is a dangerous. That, ca- that character, those two characters, are in Rogue One. A brief cameo. You actually see they walk past um, Jin, and he bumps into her. She's like, "Whoa, what the hell?" So he's still a dick. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow, that's. Cool. Um, they finally meet up with with uh, one Han Solo, the captain of the Millennium Falcon, the one that. Everyone should know about. Come on, it beat the the Kessel Run in twelve parsecs. What the hell? Obi and like thinking like, what the fuck? I don't know your ship. I don't know who you are. Obi, uh, Solo needs the money, so he comes. He comes with a deal. He agrees to the deal. We find out also that he owes money to some bounty hunters, which comes into play after the team leaves Solo. Solo is uh, met by a fellow bounty hunter who uh, is trying to take him in. One Greedo, and here's where we get another con- controversy. Mike, where do you stand? Did Han shoot first? I was really paying extra close attention 
to that scene, and it is so close. I it I refuse to vote on that because it, it's <laughs> you've got to go frame for frame to check out which shot fire. I'm saying Han shot well, I'll, first. I'll, Han's been shooting was, first it's, all it's movie. It's easy to say Han shot first it's because why else would Greedo then just you know his shot was off. You know you. Well, I'll tell you shot. this. I'll tell you this. The film has been re-edited because at one point. It was very clear that Han shot first, and then Lucas edited again to make Greedo to have shot first, and then they edited again to make it seem very close, and then the final edit, which I think is probably the best edit, is they edit Greedo's dialogue, and so they edit his dialogue to make it seem as if, because he says the line, which wasn't the original way, he says, I'll bring you in dead or alive, it doesn't matter to me, so it's like he's getting ready to take out Han, so Han does shoot first, but he shoots first in defense because it's made clear that Greedo was about to shoot him. So I was like, okay, right. fine. Okay, fine. I'll allow that one. I'll allow it. Also, random fact, I believe it's in Rogue One where we see Greedo and someone tells Greedo, you're going to get yourself into trouble one day, Greedo. <laughs> and then the next film, this film, he gets shot. He's like, one day. Literally, you meant, you Greedo to, is, I think, I believe it's Rogue One. tomorrow. He's like, you're going to get yourself in trouble one day. <laughs> yeah, literally. <Pretty> much. <laughs> one day you're going to get yourself into trouble, Greedo. And then next day, he's shot right. by Han. Damn. Han's kind of pissed though. He goes to Jabba. He's like, "Hey, if you want to talk to me, come talk to me. Don't send one of your lackeys against me." And and uh, Jabba's like, "Bitch, you owe me money." Also, Jabba ain't getting very far on his <laughs> own, so right. I don't know why you expected right. him to come right. by himself. Sure. Also, random fun fact about Jabba the Hutt: that Jabba the Hutt took anywhere from two to six people at a time to operate. Uh-huh. Like. It's a huge puppet. There's one person on the left, like controlling the left arm. And there's another person on the right controlling the right arm. So there's two people in this mm-hmm. tight ass suit. And they're controlling both the hands and the eyes. So there's a separate controller that they both have. Each eye works separately from each other. Each mouth works separately. Actually, no, no, no. So one person had like the bottom lip. Another person had the top lip. And then they had a little person in the tail actually controlling where the tail mm-hmm. went and so there was like three of them at any given time in it and then the ad was standing on the side controlling the eyes yeah. so it took up to yeah it took over six days just to shoot that little bit of scene what this two minute scene what? that job of the hut was in and if you yeah and anybody that talks about it is like it was the most uncomfortable worst thing ever because like also they all have to be in complete sync because for example if you know his body turns but his eyes don't then you got to film that again because why would your body turn and not your face or your eyes, you know? But like the blinks were separate from the eyes that were separate from the mouth, which is pretty crazy. And when it was all done, they did all that work and George Lucas still hated it. He was like, I hate it. After all of that, he re-edited and added a CGI version because what we get now is the CGI version. We don't see the puppet version. Yeah, exactly. After all that, which is crazy because they use CG anyway. Yeah, he replaced it. And the CG doesn't look the best yeah you can find it on yeah, you youtube it. where you can see it it's actually not that bad but it looks very like almost like harry and the hendersons yeah. like <laughs> it's, it's definitely throwback um, <laughs> the team is always almost caught by troopers but they leave just in time and meanwhile on the space station unable to successfully interrogate the princess you know she's very very tough which again and in hindsight we don't know this at the time but in hindsight we do know this it might also allude to leia's inherent uh force powers because only people, only specific people can resist being interrogated for those interrogation droids. And the fact that she can do that, 
Vader couldn't get through to her, is I think it was planting, inadvertently maybe, planting those seeds. So in a way to kind of convince her, they decide, you know what, we're going to use our new Death Star weapon and destroy your whole planet of Alderaan if you don't give us the information. So fine, she gives them the information, but they destroy it anyway. Alderaan is destroyed. Which we all knew was yeah. coming. Alderaan. I mean, you got to see it happen. Yeah. You have to you have to see the, what this this weapon can do, and yeah. and I, what I love is that we cut to to Luke and and Obi and Obi has that moment of just like, whoa, I just felt like like a million souls or whatever just cried out in pain, and I love that because you get this again one other another hint of his connection to the Force, right? The Force is life, so if a whole bunch of life just got extinguished like that, he would feel that and sense that. Um. At the time, Luke is training, doing his exercises. Uh, Chewbacca, we find out, is a sore loser at uh, at their version of chess. <laughs> he rips people's arms off when he loses, apparently. Good to know, too. Yeah. <laughs> we learn more about the Force as Luke is trying to learn about the Force. He's using that machine to go to kind of lightsaber training. And Han is like, give me a, a, a blaster any day. I'll use a blaster, which I think is hilarious because blasters suck. Um, but Yeah, apparently the crosshairs on those things are real small. <laughs> True. I'm just looking like, dude, how are none of you good at this? The, the, I like that Han, when he talks about Bumble Jumbo, because it comes back. And again, I said I, we weren't going to jump to new movies, but I just like the callback in, in um, Force Awakens, the first of the new trilogy, when Han is like Jedi, all that kind of stuff. No, it's true. So he, he comes, you see his circle where he starts from, Psh, I don't believe in this shit. I remember saying <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> and he's like, no, it's, it's very, very true. They arrive on Alderaan to find out that Alderaan isn't there. What the hell? But they see a moon. But Mike... That's no moon. And before they can escape, they are pulled into the Death Star's tractor beam. The ship is searched, but uh, because Han is a smuggler, they hide in the secret bases and they're not found. Though, I like it, Vader senses something. He's like, I feel something that I haven't felt in a long time. Not since it just gets lost, yeah. At first, you think it's Obi, but then in hindsight, as you know more context, it could be both Obi and Luke, Luke, his own son. Because, you know, his, he doesn't realize that. But then I also True. thought, shit, it could be Leia too. There's and a Leia. lot of force yeah, on exactly. that ship. A lot of force energy. There's a hell of a lot of force on yep. that ship. It's probably overwhelming. Yep. Um, they take out a couple of stormtroopers who are searching the ship and they disguise themselves. And Obi-Wan has a plan. He's going to go and take out the tractor beam so that they can escape. Meanwhile, R2-D2 finds that Princess Leia is captured on that ship. So Luke decides to go and help her and convinces Han to help her that he would get paid. But Han's like, no, 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 bitch. I'm staying right here. Yeah, Han wasn't doing it at all. And then he's like, she has money. Oh, oh okay goes, or whatever he does. And I, I love I love when they, they have a plan to kind of pretend that Chewie is captured. And you, you can tell that Chewie just hates this plan. He doesn't want to be handcuffed. He's like, fuck you guys. Why am I the one? Why can't I be in the suit? He's like, Chewie, you won't fit in the suit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah right. obviously right. it's like Always we're holding the stairs <laughs> and then and then when I they bring the, the prison I love, this is one of my favorite sequences <laughs> when they take out the people in the control room i didn't realize how much smoke those blasters create when you shoot them it's the whole room got covered in smoke and i was like oh, maybe yeah. that's why the troopers suck at aiming they can't see yeah. shit imagine the lightsaber just smoking the entire time no one would use it <laughs> right <laughs> One of my favorite personal moments is after that fight and they secure the room, um, they get a call from like one of the other places like, hey, what's going on over there? And then Han's like, uh, everything's all fine here. Uh, we're fine. Thank you. Uh, how are you? How are you? <laughs> <laughs> and I think that whole thing, 
Yeah, he's like, uh, I think the so whole sequence was ad libbed by Harrison Ford. I feel like <laughs> he's like, I don't know, tell, shoot. you know, because the way he speaks. Oh um, yeah, I do remember yeah, seeing something so. like that. And he's like, there was no so lines memorized for that scene. He just wanted to make it seem spontaneous. Yeah, he's like, uh, do you, uh we're fine here. Thank, thank. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> um, they find the princess in prison. Who I find she's very ungrateful for her rescue. By the way, like, first yeah, right. thing, oh, yeah, like she was short. expecting it. Right? She kept the complaining the whole from time. Death. He's like, bitch, I'm trying to help you, okay? She has, like, no faith. Thomas, I mean, who are you? Like, lady. <laughs> they escape via a garbage chute. But that garbage chute leads to other problems of its own, which is another, yet another sequence in the, in the chute in, uh, when the creature pops its eye out. I always found that weird and corny when it pops the eye out. I was like, what is this? <laughs> yeah, I can't lie. It really took me out of the moment. Like, what is this? Like, I went from being, like, so all for this movie, like, oh, I'm into it, I'm engaged. And then, like, what the fuck is that? Because, like, even the tail, the tail in the water looked fine. Yeah, that was dope. But, like, when the eye popped out, I was like, that's really bad. And it's like, like that's really, George, really bad. George, if you've been editing shit, edit that out. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, you never thought that looks really fucking cool. And I think it's a lot more menacing when it's just the, the vine. When you don't see the eyeball, it's yeah. scarier that way. Because you're just like, what the fuck is that? But I also love Han Solo. Whenever Luke gets pulled in, the way Han is searching, <laughs> he's not even trying. He's just, like, tapping the water like, Luke... Huh? Maybe it's friend. Because the water is only like so two. Bad. It's only like two foot deep. <laughs> yeah, not even. It's nowhere. It's not even past their knees. Like, come on. It doesn't even try to look. So bad. But with the help of of C3PO and R2D2, they're able to escape that. Uh, Obi Wan shuts down the tractor beam, and in his escape, he bumps into Darth Vader. Don don don. I think he bumped into it. He knew what he was doing. This is very true. I'm gonna find this motherfucker. And we get our first. We get our first uh, lightsaber duel, which is probably the worst looking lightsaber duel in the series of Star Wars. I get it, it for its time. So <laughs> and they're both old. Oh, you know. I was crying, <laughs> laughing. Like, I was like, I cannot. Let's consider like, both their ages. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. I respect it. Like, yo, I can't. even the looks, like. <laughs> it's so basic. Like, come on. You could have done better training. Though. Like, when I tell you, like, I was, like, fighting for air. I was laughing so hard. And I was trying to be quiet. Because my girl was sleeping. So I was trying not to wake her up. But I was just, like, sitting there, like, <clears throat> oh, my God. And, like, also, a lot of people have changed the um sound effects of the lightsaber on YouTube. to like the Michael Jackson ad libs. <laughs> so, like, now when I see it, I literally think, so it's hard when i'm watching it now because i just keep hearing like fucking michael jackson noises in my head and then making the ridiculous faces just adds to it but it's just not a great fighting sequence i will say i still kind of prefer it to what they did in in the prequels i think the prequels they went too crazy with it everyone like people are flipping and doing backflips and jumping all around and like I can like parkour guys and I think the new movies brought it back down a bit where you still make it more about the fencing side of it and like kendo and the power of it and it's not so much about people doing backflicks and gymnastics and you take all that away from it I think it was fun at the time all the gymnastics stuff but it got too much yeah especially you see in the prequel trilogy you see like an old man doing flips and bouncing off the wall you're like okay okay I know you're a Jedi but relax. <laughs> you know? Yeah, they were doing way too much. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yoda <laughs> so, like, didn't hold back. I was like, what? It's like that? Okay. But I do, I, I do like that. Though, there's some fans online who have re-edited that fight sequence to make it look like really cool. So what they would do is they would cut to the shots where you see Alex Guinness's face. But anytime it goes to the behind the scene shot, 
they've re-edited their version with their own actor doing a fight scene it looks pretty good they find like a happy medium <laughs> like, okay that's the thing i've seen so many like remixed videos of that scene that are so much better <laughs> than the actual you know lightsaber fight that i saw mm-hmm. in this movie like i can't lie a part of it it was like a big build-up for me i was like yeah you know like they're about to go head to head darth vader obi-wan let's get it and then i was just like "Ooh, that's okay now boys well, I mean, all right if you want to see down. that fight really play out i feel like you have to watch what's it called the, the the third of the prequel trilogy where we see anakin and obi-wan fight but obi-wan had the higher ground and he won that fight um we get a little bit of we find out some small abilities about the jedi in this as well there's a line darth vader says to obi-wan that it's going to take him out and obi-wan says if you strike me down i'll become even more powerful than you could ever imagine a part of me really wanted him to get struck down though right. i was like strike his ass i want to see mean, a good fight he does get struck down but he disappears and that be- yeah. that will become a staple in star wars where certain jedi powerful jedi when they die they don't leave a body they, their whole body just disappears because they literally become one with the force you know and not every jedi dies like that but specific jedi do have been shown to die like that, that. makes sense i didn't get that he died i was waiting for him to zap somewhere yeah. else i thought he teleported i thought he was just gonna be on the ship and his moment, he, he died lit- he just like never comes back again yeah no he dies he becomes one with the force his body becomes one with the force and that's how he's able to help luke later on like use the force luke because he's, he's become a force they're known as force ghosts um mm. yeah you will do the same thing yep he'll do the same yeah, thing wow. and, and and um luke does a similar thing in the new movies as well um yeah he does doing what jedi do they are protectors not fighters he realized because his he realized that uh, his fight with Darth Vader wasn't a fight for Darth Vader; it was more distraction so the others could escape. So as soon as they escape, boom! He knows the fight is over, and Luke watches uh, Obi Wan be taken out, and they have to go. However, we find out that Darth Vader once again is a very smart guy. They were allowed to escape because uh, Darth Vader puts a tracking device on the ship. Though Leia is also smart because she was like, this was too easy. I feel like they're tracking us. Which I thought was pretty cool. Leia knew. She was like, I feel like you let us escape yes. instantly. Yeah. Uh, they she arrived. didn't skip a beat that Leia. And we also find out that Leia had lied about about where the base was, even under threat of Alderaan. Look at her. She actually lied to them. Leia's always been a G, man. Right, right. She's the true Jedi in all this. <laughs> Sure. They arrive. They arrive at the rebel base. They've come with the plans for the Death Star, and they realize, okay, we have to make a plan to use these plans to take out the Death Star. So they make a plan, and they find the weaknesses. But it's a tough plan. A lot of people realize that this is going to be a hard plan. We have to do a trench run and shoot these torpedoes into a tiny hole. But Luke's like, Psh, I shoot one prats back home. That's easy. And I'm like, you shoot one prats at home? You, you're a sociopath. Like, what is wrong yeah. with you? <laughs> 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 he just goes around shooting them like. How how I mean, often are you doing? There's nothing better to do on his planet, apparently. <laughs> are you that bored? Like damn. <laughs> Luke it's like Luke was a real redneck. Like <laughs> Yeah, hardcore. Grew up on a farm shooting the rats. Shot this squirrel for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Uh, Here's your wombat stew. Um That's crazy. But Han is like, uh, I'm taking my money. I owe a bunch of people. I'm not part of this. My part is done. Peace out. And Luke's like, what the fuck? Join us. I will say, though, watching it this time, like, I fully get Han's side. Like, I don't think. He's never. Like, yeah, he... granted, 
other than the like all for money thing but like i get it bro everyone's actually dying it's not like it's not like people are like yeah rebellion woo and then living a hundred years like pretty much everyone that signed up for this rebellion has died but also, or he's watched them die he just watched the whole planet get blown up yeah and then they're going back like there. even but I would say besides that's all besides like the you're point. fighting a battle you can't win. I'm not going against a planet sized destroyer. But no. I even think all that <laughs> is besides the point. Han is introduced as a bounty hunter. He's not a good guy. Yeah, like I've never <laughs> not been a mercenary. Like, like that's what I do. This is what I do. Like I'm a <laughs> yeah. bounty hunter. Like <laughs> and everyone's like, really? It's all about the money. If you literally, that's my job description. <laughs> right. Like it's not. <laughs> it's like this is who I am. <laughs> like I'm not being an asshole here. <laughs> this... It's what I do. <laughs> In fact, the fact that I've come this far is too much. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah exactly like i came way too far i should have gotten paid up front like i asked like this is bullshit i broke rules i'm going home right? like what do you mean uh luke like oh that's so terrible no it's not goodbye right. uh luke bumps into one of his friend bigs okay. from home and uh, they have a moment and the pilots set off on the death star attack which is where we get our first dogfight in space which is pretty cool dogfights in star wars i always love space dog the dogfight was dope yeah i think it still holds up i uh, will also say since we're on it um this film actually Pretty much every Star Wars film in some way, you know, uh, changed film as we know it, uh, made some type of technological advance. But um, this movie specifically, motion control and motion camera was invented through making this movie. So like the difference in this movie, like a lot of times we didn't get a lot of crazy action sequences with um, models. Because usually you would have a model and it's stagnant and then you're filming on a camera that's stagnant or you're moving the model. This time... They kind of kept, um, you know, each model stationary and they built a system that worked fully on computers. The computers fully ran a camera and by, you know, remotes and controls, they were able to move the camera around the subject. So in moving the camera around the subject with a blue screen in the background, they were able to create the dogfights and the motion that we see with all the different ships. But before that, you couldn't do that. Not that way. And before them and after this movie, obviously green screen technology you know really took off but this is one of the first films to actually incorporate um models with blue screen mm -hmm. or green screen in the background pretty dope and i think this is what other movies got wrong future star wars movies got wrong and then the good ones brought back again in terms of how they shot certain scenes having the physical practical things in the space or miniatures and things like that i feel like the miniatures are like my favorite part right. of this movie because <laughs> it just makes everything so epic the scale of it you know like you feel like these ships really exist mm -hmm. you know and it doesn't feel like a land of make-believe it feels like you know we could all go out training tomorrow and fly one of these vipers you know mm -hmm. and and i think subsequent movies had too much cgi and this one this one had more practical than cgi obviously but i think future movies would do always looks better of both yeah always always yeah also even um you know the um what are the names of the the ships the type the bad ones the very small ships that were hmm? oh the the x-wings yeah yeah so the x-wings there's actually um explosives attached to the actual x-wings and they put it you know on a stand or whatever they put the actual x-wing miniature on a stand with a timer explosive on them so then they had the camera moving around and the camera would kind of move in and as the camera's moving in they would set the explosive off so all the explosions we see are true explosions mm. they're just not in space um, though I, I always find it hilarious and i actually beat this to uh, uh, uh technology at the time when alderon blows up it just looks like a firework that does not look like a planet blowing up <laughs> yeah. not at all and like 
It's almost celebratory. You're like, yeah, what? Oh no! Who rate the explosive with fireworks? Because you see, damn. Oh, and when you compare that to like Rogue One, when you see the Death Star destroy the planet, you see literally the pieces breaking apart. It just shows you how far we've come with technology. Um, Yeah, Rogue. That was hard to watch, like, because you knew they like failed, not failed, because like obviously the plans got sent out, but like, seriously. Seriously, people die. Um, seriously though, like you really like see a whole planet. And that's that's yeah. the other thing. I think again, technology. <laughs> that's where technology helps. Where I think Alderaan, I didn't really feel the impact of Alderaan being destroyed, like that. No, even in performance, like I felt like Gary Fisher was, oh no, oh, right. and then it was just gone. Where? It was over. But I feel like this film also like didn't do grieving well in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like Luke felt nothing when his aunt and uncle died. Well, you I think, know, Leia was like, whatever, when Alderaan got wiped out. I think part of that is, again, th- at least this first film, Lucas made it as a kid's film. Like, I think a lot of the diehard say, yeah, fans forget they, that. They wouldn't, like, let you feel right. the gravity yeah. of the situation. Yeah. Uh, or the anti-gravity. Uh, uh. <laughs> nah. <laughs> um, they attempt the trench run. They get close but Vader attacks with his fight, taking out all the guys on the side. And we hear all some all a whole bunch of, of of characters on the on the rebels team being killed. Uh, what's his name? Porky? Was it Porky? His name? He's like, pull up, pull up, yeah, pull, pull up, pull up. And he's like, no, I got this, I got this. Gets destroyed. Porky was actually supposed to be a part. Like he was supposed to look like a pig. He was supposed to be part pig. Uh-huh. But last minute, they literally just couldn't. <laughs> so they just told like, the actor, like, your budget was so... actor, you're fat, you look enough, good as it is. <laughs> yeah, literally. Like, their budget was stretched so thin. He was supposed to have um thingy nose. What do you call it? Like a uh, nose, prosthetic? Yeah, he was supposed to have a prosthetic nose. And it was, like, time to film. And they were like, bro, he he doesn't have his nose. They were just like, fuck it. Just throw him out there. His name is <laughs> Porky. <laughs> <laughs> like, true facts. Oh, they were just like, he looks enough like a pig. Throw him out there. It's Correct, fine. Man. They'll get it. Uh, we all did, though. We were like, haha, pig. Vader and his fighters taking out all the all the rebel uh, ships. And Luke is the only one with, with weapons left. And he's it's all on him now. Vader's on his tail. And Luke's having a hard time with his equipment. And at the same time, the Death Star is locking in on the rebel base. And then one of the most famous lines, Luke hears Obi-Wan's voice. Use the force, Luke. Use the force. And before Vader can lock on Luke, though, Vader's about to take out Luke. Out of nowhere, Han Solo and the Millennium Falcon come out. Bah, 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 yeehaw! Shoots Vader's ship, who goes spinning out of control. And then Luke has the opportunity, shoots. And I kind of like the visual of seeing the torpedoes go through the hole. I think that was done really well. Like, yeah, hits it. Yeah, sets up a chain reaction which destroys the Death Star sending Vader's ship hurtling into space cut to medal ceremony the team saves the day there's a huge ceremony again this is as the fantasy feel of Star Wars they, they, it's almost like they're knights being knighted by the princess and we hear the music and the cheer this will have problems because there's no acknowledgement to the team of Rogue One who died getting those plans okay maybe that story didn't exist at the time but you had it. You had it yeah, in the crawl. Still. You had it in the crawl. That's the story. Yeah. You mentioned that people True. died to get this, get these plans. At least some acknowledgement. Even if you didn't know their names at the time, just say, "Hey, thanks to all the people that you know got involved and help us do this. Appreciate you." At least Luke could have given a speech. Yeah. You know, I just met you guys. You know, I love you guys. Thanks for putting me in this position. 
and uh, I'll try my best. You know, at least something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I get it. We're all here for you, pal. <laughs> but, you know, ultimately, I think this is just a straightforward, fun, good movie. Yeah, it felt like when it ended, even though the ending was very, like, oh, cookie cutter, yeah. happy ending, I was still very, like, I feel really good right yeah. now. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. Some music, too, just that like, does it. This feels nice, you Mike. know, but that's that's what he set out to create. Yeah. Literally, uh, in an interview George Lucas had, they asked him what his inspiration was. And he said, honestly, he just wanted to make a feel good film. And, you know, in that time, this, he made this movie in, what, 77? And it took, what, two years to make? Um, you know, during that time, there was a lot going on just in terms of, you know, uh, the climate, you know, just with a lot of people and the wars and everything. So I feel like. You know, Lucas came out with this film because he wanted people to be happy and excited to go to the movies again and see just a big production, you know, that wasn't about, that was kind of about war, but wasn't necessarily a dark film, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. yeah, and he actually used, like, the footage, if you look up um, the old footage from the World War II tapes, mm -hmm. it's, um, he used exact shots from the dogfights yeah. during World War II in the final sequences, mm -hmm. in the fights uh, when Han and Luke were fighting in the ship. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you put them side by side, it's the spot the on. They match the framing perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they match the framing perfectly. So if you put it side by side with the World War II tapes, hmm. same shots. No, yeah. I mean, you can, you can see that. And I think, again, like I mentioned earlier, this is a film that was built on many influences. Yeah, I mentioned up top. Yeah, about, Flash Gordon yep. was a huge uh, inspiration for Luke's character. Yeah. And even, even things like... Uh, uh, World War Two, not just the, the the shots and the shits, but uh, the the Imperial Army is the Nazis, right? Even their uniform. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. The, the way they look, the black, the kind of very uniform look, clean look. Whereas the the rebels have more earthy, natural colors to them, as opposed to they look like they work at Home Depot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not an orange. <laughs> Bunch of little Home Depot workers. Yeah. And and and. Again, it plants a lot of seeds, you know, Darth Vader escaping, the Empire, it's just because he destroyed this weapon doesn't mean the Imperial Army still doesn't control everything. You know, so it's, it sets up that there's still more to the story, it's just that this is one victory battle in a larger war that's happening. Yeah. And I think, even though the movie doesn't end on a to-be-continued note, because it could have just been a one-and-done movie, it doesn't end on to-be-continued, it sets up a lot. Yeah, when it ends, a part of me was like, it's crazy any other movies came out. <laughs> you know, I'm looking, I'm like, wow, did we really need eight Star Wars movies? Like, granted, love them, but it's still like, you know, watching just this one, you wouldn't think if you told somebody then, like, this is going to lead to, like, seven more films and two TV shows, you're like, what? Well, again, because, really? I mean, the bad guy isn't killed. The bad guy's still alive. Yeah, you know, like, so the, Yeah, still the bad guys are still at large. Yep. Um, there's, there's a funny video online you can search for it. It's called the, the Death Star Conspiracy. And it's done from the point of view that imagine people who are actually there, they think the conspiracy is that Vader, because they were like, oh, how come Dave Vader was not on this ship? He was the only one that survived, happened to leave. Oh, by the way, did you know that the one, the, the guy that destroyed the ship is his son? What? Oh, by the way, did you know that the person who had the plans in the first place was his daughter? What? Was this a crazy conspiracy? <laughs> 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 and then it goes into like and then at the end Vader had an opportunity to kill his son but he doesn't it ends up killing the Emperor instead this is a big conspiracy <laughs> I love that. attempts I to kill 
I'll, I'll send you guys. It that is the, the, from the jump. The Who knew? <laughs> One thing I will say though, after, so after watching this movie, you know, the, the the before we close, the the newer movies get a lot of controversy from the diehard community of fans, and while I accept people have their opinions and views, everyone's entitled to that. The thing that bothers me is that a lot of the issues that people seem to have with the new films apply to the original film. They just choose not to. They just ignore right? it in the original film. So it's like you can't like, complain well, here. Well, complain that doesn't make sense because it's like, bro, there's way more nitpicks right? in the older. It's films like if you're gonna nitpick, nitpick all the way, you know. And I won't get into so many of them, but one of the ones that stand out to me is is people's feelings towards Ray. You know, like how can she use the force already so quickly? How can she do all these crazy stuff? But I'm like, Luke was a farm boy who shot Wampers in his spare time. Somehow he was the one that was able to do all the crazy shit. Star Wars establishes that, hey, sometimes if you're special, you're special. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> you know, like, well, that's why they hinted yeah, at the, the, force the end of, and all that stuff and whatever. At the end of the Last Jedi, you see that kid just yeah. grab the uh, the broom yep. with uh, you're special, you're special with the that's force. Yeah, this is it. Some people are that's special. It. Yes, that's it. So again, if you don't like that, then you shouldn't like it in all of Star Wars. You can't say, "Oh, I liked it when Luke did it," but I don't like it when this other person does it. No. Yeah. It's you got to you got to remain consistent. Uh, any final thoughts, Mike, uh, after watching this movie again? And are you excited for the new movie, Rise of Skywalker? I am. I don't know if I'll be able to see it at the opening weekend, but I absolutely have seen it by Christmas. Um, nice, nice. And you know, if you haven't seen Star Wars already. Which, if you're listening to this, uh, welcome to uh, a whole new set of eyes. Like, uh, lucky you, honestly, to actually ha- to see it for the first time. Yeah, like I said, it's just it's a timeless, great sci-fi fantasy, which mm-hmm. is right up my alley in every sense. <laughs> Raven, final thoughts on revisiting this movie? Yeah, all in all, I just thought you know the first one was a great movie, better than I thought originally. I'm glad that. We had to go back and rewatch it because it just went completely over my head when I was younger. And I realized there's like a couple of cool things going on there. Um, you know, I, I found or grew a love for certain characters like C3PO, and uh, I understand Luke now. And that's about all. Also, uh, Darth Vader's a badass. And that's about it. Yeah. No, I, th- I think for me, and to close it off, like I said at the top, I didn't get into Star Wars till I was a lot older. Um, I didn't care for the fantasy side of it, and and but as I started to understand the alien world, I'm into sci-fi, love aliens and things like that. As I got into the alien world and the universe that they inhabit, and and even the politics of Star Wars, I think the politics of Star Wars really, the politics of how the Emperor got into power and how the Imperial Army took everything. You know, the power was given to them, and I always found that once I started realizing that how power can be given to given to you it's almost like the hitler story right where the public was so blinded by what was happening that they gave power to the bad guy and i found that interesting i found that interesting as as the politics that's how i got into it um fun fact before we close star wars also did something a lot of people don't realize that they changed the theme for the fox intro because fox intro used to be that was it and star wars came in and because they wanted a transition they added and then it merges into the star wars theme song you know which i thought was really really cool and 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 that's where that comes from and they liked and they kept it for future movies but star wars is the one that kind of created that extended uh theme song where are we now i think that's it thank you guys for listening uh thank you raven thank you rocket mike thank you 
Uh, if you guys have any thoughts on Star Wars, do you agree with us or do you disagree? Are you looking forward to the new movie? Do you have thoughts on that? Let us know at the Nerdy Bunch on social media. And next week, we are, it's Christmas time. It's the holidays. There may not be movies, new movies released in theaters that celebrate the holidays, but we're going to look back an old movie, Jingle All The Way, starring Sinbad and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, I'm excited to revisit that one and hope you guys are too so if you have a chance to revisit that one let us know your thoughts on that movie and we'll read them out on next week's podcast thank you guys finally again and as always raven keep it nerdy keep it nerdy